Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Let's get into the Word. Uh, I've been so blessed to be able to just minister from, from the Word of God uh, to you the, the past several weeks. And the Lord laid this Word upon my heart entitled Revival. And so... Um, how many of you have just been blessed by this? Amen. I, I pray that God is speaking to every one of our hearts. Amen. And I want to I want to recap a little bit from last week, if if we have a few minutes to do so. And so, we learned, church, that the fires of revival always begin in heaven. Amen. The fires of revival always begin in heaven. Leviticus nine and twenty four says, "Fire came out from the presence of the Lord." And it consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. Everybody say, Lord, burn the fat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it says, it, I, I, I don't know why that stuck out to me right now. So burn the, burn the fat portions on the altar. And it says, and when all the people saw it, that is the glory and the fire of God. It says, they shouted for joy and they fell face down in the presence of God. Amen. And so we learn, church, that the fires of heaven is the essence of God's glory. Amen? The fire that burns in heaven is the essence of God's glory. And we learn, church, that personal revival will always lead to a corporate anointing. What happens in your life will transfer into the body of believers. Amen? How many of you know that we're responsible to, to, to keep the, our lampstand, like the, like the Bible says in the book of Leviticus, it says that we are to keep our lampstand full of oil, amen, continually burning on the altar. We have a mandate, church, to, to each and every one of us to be on fire for the Lord, amen, to, to, to be in the presence of God, to walk in the Spirit. And when we're walking in the Spirit and we are walking according to the Word of God, that fire goes with you wherever you go. Amen? So all of a sudden when the saints gather and there's a multitude of people that would show up at one, as a group of people and come together under one name, which is the name of Jesus, all of a sudden that fire begins to burn a little bit hotter. Amen? It begins to burn a little bit brighter because, because it's like a bunch of individual sparks. They've come together. Amen? And all of a sudden, we can see the glory of God's goodness. And so we learned that the corporate anointing, it looks like two main things. It looks like this. It looks like the worship and exaltation of God. Jeremiah 33 and verse 11, we read this last week. It says, the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of the bride and the bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever and I love what it goes on to say it says for I will restore and I love what it goes on to say it says for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before so when the saints of God come together and there's sounds of joy and there's sounds of gladness and there's voices of the bride and the bridegroom and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to God all of a sudden the fortunes of the land are restored how many of you want the land of, of this nation to be restored? Amen. How many of you want the, the ground that you're walking on to be restored? How many of you want your households to be restored? Amen. Your family line to be restored. Your children to be restored unto God. 
See, this happens, church, when you worship him. When you worship, chains break. When you worship and you begin to get on that altar before God and you begin to give the one who is worthy all the praise and all the honor, all of a sudden the shackles that once held you down and the chains that once kept you in prison, all of a sudden these things break off, church, because the glory of God is able to do anything that we need. But we just need to come to him and worship and give him all thanks. The second thing that we learn is it's God's people praying. How many of you know that when God's people pray, oh man, we sing about it right now. I see you move the mountains, God. I see you move the mountains. When God's people pray, mountains are destroyed, church. I'm so thankful for Sister Irene. Wave your hand at me, Sister Irene. She didn't know I was going to say this. She's like, oh my God, me? Don't put me on the spot. I'm so thankful because I asked her the, uh, earlier this morning, and my wife actually asked her, but I, I asked her, I said, I said, hey, we need people to pray on Wednesday night. We need people to pray every time we gather. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Every meeting is under attack. Yeah. Amen? Every time that we get together, every time that the saints of God come together, guess what? The enemy is going to try to stick his nose in our business. The enemy is going to try to do everything that he can to discourage somebody. How many of you were tired this evening? Amen. Praise God you got here. Because the enemy wanted you to listen to those feelings of, of tiredness and say, oh, I just better kick my feet up on the couch just for a few minutes and put my favorite show on because, you know what, I'm a little bit tired. I'm just a little weak. I'm just a little weary tonight. But when we come together... And we have a meeting just like this, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we declare that God's word will be spoken, amen? And we declare that the spirit of God will move, amen? And we declare that the heaviness that somebody might have walked in with will be broken at the feet of Jesus. When we come together, church, and pray, all things are possible, Henry Blackaby said this, all revival begins and continues in the prayer meeting. Some have also called the prayer, uh, prayer the great fruit of revival. It says in times of revival, thousands may be found on their knees for hours, lifting up their heartfelt cries with thanksgiving to heaven. We read last week in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and they come together, they came together in one accord, constantly in prayer. They came together constantly in prayer. In Acts chapter 2, we find out the results of the 40 days of prayer. They waited for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And because they prayed, it wasn't just because they tarried. You see, a lot of people are content just saying, well, I'm waiting on God. And you're doing absolutely nothing in the waiting. You just got your arms crossed. You just got your, you're on your phone saying, God, are you going to do it? God, are you going to come through? God, are you going to just give me the breakthrough that I've been wanting? But listen, they didn't wait without purpose. They waited in prayer. And they tarried and they stayed in that place of prayer, church, until the promise came. How many of you are willing to stay in the place of prayer until the promise comes? How many of you are willing to stay in that place of prayer until that thing that you have been praying for is finally released? You remember that scripture, it talks about, the, the, about that, that woman, right, that, who, she was oppressed by an adversary. And she goes and she's like almost annoying, 
But she goes to this unjust judge. And every night she's pounding on his door and she's saying, grant me victory over my adversary. And she keeps going back and she keeps going back and she's knocking and knocking and knocking. And the unjust judge finally gets so fed up. He's like, you know what? Give her what she wants. Because her persistence in prayer was what pressed through. And I want to remind you tonight, listen, some of you are hanging on for a promise of God to be fulfilled in your life. Listen, persistent prayer works. Amen. When you persistently knock on the doors of heaven, guess what? Our God will not delay. He will answer. He will answer. But guess what? Even if he delays, he is building something in your life. He is strengthening you in that moment. He is strengthening your character and your capacity to carry his glory. Amen. The promises of heaven, church, are activated in and through prayer. Amen. The relationship that Jesus showed his father was not, only, was not exclusive only unto him. That is the relationship that Jesus had with the father. It wasn't just for Jesus, but rather he said, if you know me, you know the father. That means that the way that Jesus prayed and the way that Jesus had communion with the Father every single day, if we know Jesus, we can know the Father too. We have the same mode of access that Jesus had in John 14, verse 10. He says this, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He said, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. He said, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Amen. He said, the words I say, I do not speak on my own authority. He says, believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He says, so very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Man, that's some good prayer. That's some good prayer, amen. That's some good communion with the Father. Jesus here is showing us what a life surrendered and in communion to the Father looks like. He's showing us what, what this thing actually is supposed to do, amen. That is, he said this, he doesn't speak on his own authority, Amen. How many of you need to be under the authority of the Father? Amen. How many of you have ever had your words get you in trouble? Amen. All right. Just admit it tonight. Amen. We need to speak only what the Father is telling us to speak. He said it is the Father speaking through him. He says whoever believes in Jesus will do the works he has done. You know, a lot of people stop there. A lot of people don't even want to go into that. Because they're too content living life in the flesh and too content living life in their own self that they just want Jesus to, to just somehow, you know, do everything and, and, you know, save everybody, you know, on his own. And we know that salvation comes through him. But guess who he's left to do the work? The church. We say, Pastor Duke, things are crazy. People are, you know demonic they're insane right now they're not even in their right minds and guess who he's left responsible the church 